For over 27 years, LearnIt has helped more than 2 million individuals develop new skills and empowered them with confidence to thrive in an ever-changing workforce. We welcome you to the LearnIt podcast, where we come together as employees, managers, executives, and learning champions from across the globe to take time to focus on our professional development. Together, we will tackle today's toughest challenges and dive into the topics that are key to success in today's workplace. Stay tuned to listen and learn from LearnIt expert instructors and the LearnIt community in order to upskill, reskill, and achieve overall success in your career. To learn more about LearnIt and our diverse offerings of soft skill, business application, and health and wellness workshops, please visit www.learnit.com. So welcome to How to Deliver Effective Virtual Performance Reviews. This is a LearnIt webinar presentation. My name is James Jeffley, as Carly said. So in the next 40 minutes or so, I want to help you learn how to set yourselves up to give more useful, motivating, and impactful performance reviews with an increased sense of comfort and ease. How can we do that? Well, some of the things I'll talk about are making sure that we, we base our performance measures on clearly defined expectations with people. Where there's any level of ambiguity, that's where we increase the potential to not have great performance and have challenging performance review conversations. We need to establish clear, well-rounded goals, specific measurable goals with people. Again, ambiguity here can wreck you. Some insights on delivering non-biased to the extent that we can, fact-based reviews. This is where we try to filter out personality and just focus on what's real. And then some tools to create comfort around providing feedback. Sound good? I will ask questions. Feel free to use the chat box and drop in a, a, an answer or a comment as we go along. Let's dive in. Stop. I can't do this in good conscience. Because here's what I've been asked to do, to talk about how to take something that most people really don't like or enjoy, performance reviews, and then talk about how to make those effective in the virtual world. And there are a lot of people who are growing increasingly tired of being in the virtual world, right? So let me ask you this question and just drop a quick answer in the chat box. How many of you absolutely love your current performance evaluation process? How many of you look forward to it? You circle it on your calendar. It fills you with joy just thinking about performance evaluations. Anybody love it? Well, no, 30, a third. <laughs> yeah, dot, dot, dot. Thanks, Christina. Nope. Right? Ha, 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 ha. Thanks, Suzanne. Nope, says Chris. All right. So if it's this thing that most of us don't really enjoy, now, now let me ask you a second question. How many of you think they're actually valuable? Like you, like you get really meaningful information from the performance evaluation that it directly impacts your job. How many of you think it's worthwhile in some way? It depends, Tony says, is it done right, Christina? Definitely, okay, thank you, Julissa. Yeah, so, so here's the thing. For many people though, it's broken. And, and it doesn't work. And so talking about how to do this in the virtual world is kind of like trying to teach you how to give better virtual tours of the Titanic. <laughs> Traditional performance reviews are like a sinking ship and more and more businesses are abandoning them. 
For example, the Society for Human Resource Management, one of the leading organizations uh, for human resource professionals, they did a survey in 2016. They asked how many companies that, that are member organizations conduct formal performance reviews. In 2016, 94% of them said we do formal reviews. A year later, that number dropped to 91%. So more companies are, excuse me, are moving away from formal reviews. They asked another question. How many of you are doing more frequent informal performance check-ins, like quarterly? 2016, that was 42%. By 2017, that was 50%. So companies are moving away from the traditional yearly performance review and moving more towards uh, more frequent quarterly informal performance evaluations or check-ins. This is the trend happening right now. Let me share some other statistics with you. Uh, SHRM says that 95% of the employees that they've surveyed in their member organizations are dissatisfied with their company's appraisal process. And those of you who participated in the chat box, you said that too, not really happy with it, 95% of employees. 90% of employees believe the process is inaccurate. It does not provide accurate feedback about their actual performance. And part of the reason for that, I think, and I've done my share of performance re reviews over the year, giving and receiving and teaching. Part of the problem is that in many organizations, we only do it once a year. For how many of you is that true? Just type yes, once a year, right? And so think about this. Somebody does something in January and then you wait 365 days until you give them feedback on that performance from last January. Unless you're taking really good notes, who's going to remember that stuff? Now, there's some organizations that think, oh, well, we're going to do it twice a year. Woohoo! Look at us being progressive. Yeah, no, that's just twice a year. That's not really progressive, right? So all of if you're, unless you're documenting this the, these performance uh, issues, your memory's not that good. And so then what you do talk about is basically what happened recently, right? It's the law of recency or primacy. What happened most recently or what happened first? Adobe, right? big tech company in San Jose, Adobe did a study uh, of 1,500 employees, and their study concluded that annual reviews are outdated, too time-consuming, and have no effect, no effect on actual job performance. In fact, the study was so uh, powerful, it convinced their executive vice president of customer and employee experience to completely do away with the annual reviews back in 2017. Adobe. PricewaterhouseCooper, a big global uh, consultancy firm, they surveyed a bunch of their members. 60% of survey respondents said they want feedback, read that, daily or weekly versus every six to 12 months. That number increased to 72% for people who are under the age of 30. Look at people in your workforce. How many of those employees do you have that are, are, are under 30? They're wanting feedback on a much more regular basis, a much more frequent basis, daily or weekly. 75% of their respondents believe that feedback is valuable. So they don't want to get rid of performance evaluations. They don't want to not have these conversations. They want them. They just want them done differently. 45% of them say, in addition to having feedback from my manager, I also want it from my peers from clients, from customers, vendors, suppliers, contractors, anybody that works with me on a regular basis. Less than 30% of them say they actually get it, that they actually get this kind of feedback. 
yes, the PowerPoint will be shared. We'll put a link in Learn It's Offsite uh, website. So PricewaterhouseCoopers and Inc. also went on to say that 77% of HR executives, not just employees, but human resource executives say that performance reviews are not an accurate representation of employee performance. So even the executives, the professionals in this area realize this is broken and flawed. 89% of Gen Y employees, these are the millennials, right? This is about 22% uh, of the workforce, 72 million people in the US are in this age bracket, say so they prefer on-the-spot recognition over formal reviews. So, folks, it's beyond time to bury the annual review. May you rest in peace. How many of you think it's time to do something different? Anybody who thinks it's time to do something? Yes, Roel says. Is Roel, that's the only one? Yes, and Leah and, and Aaron and Suzanne. Yes, please give us something new. Let me give you a couple of suggestions about what we can do in its place, what to do instead. This is from an article from Inc. Magazine. Number one, hold, and I added this myself, daily, and then they said weekly and quarterly conversations with employees. You should be doing a daily check-in with people to find out what their focus is for the day, what their goal is for the day, and then evaluate that at the end of the week. How well did they, they meet their performance goals? quarterly have a more formal conversation about performance, right? I would add to that monthly. We should be doing monthly conversations about let's recap what we did this month and let's talk about what the plan is for next month. Think about this, folks, Titanic. It's like you're driving a ship. You set a destination, you set a course, right? And let's assume for the sake of this conversation, it's a straight line. If you get off course by one degree, by one degree, and you travel a thousand miles, you're way off course. That's what it's like to have a performance review once a year. You set the goals at the beginning, you set the course, and then you let people perform. And if they get off just a little bit, by the time you get around to the, uh, to the performance conversation a year later, they're way off course. And now that's demoralizing because you got to jump through flaming hoops to get people back on track. Monthly review fits the wheel for a VUCA world. What is VUCA? Rogerio, what is VUCA? Vulnerability. Vulnerability. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries, no worries. But yeah, I, I think it could work. Now, the review doesn't have to be this lengthy thing. It could be like a five or ten minute conversation every month, fifteen minute conversation, right? Doesn't have to be a long, drawn out thing. Check the pulse weekly on the morale of employees, check in with people. You know, COVID has affected almost everybody on the planet this year, right? So at a minimum, we should be checking in with folks every week, just doing a humanity check. How you doing? You're hanging in there. What's your morale like? Excuse me, right? We have to give employees time throughout the quarter to reflect on their performance and to improve it. And I would say do this on a monthly basis. We should have a formal performance conversation at a minimum quarterly, as opposed to twice a year or once a year. We need to decouple the compensation conversation from the performance conversation. Because think about this, every time you've had a performance evaluation, whether you were giving it or receiving it, one of you was in that room not really listening to the other one, and you were just listening for the part where they said, and now let's talk about your money. And the moment money comes up, 
then then you've got their undivided attention or they have yours so all the other stuff was just a word salad right so we need to have separate conversations every month we're going to talk about your performance and then once a year we're going to have a separate conversation where we talk about your money your compensation etc you have to do that otherwise people most people ignore the performance conversation and they just listen to the money we, we those two have become synonymous performance evaluation equals pay raise that has to stop that is not helpful we need to help employees get connected to a shared purpose to illuminate why their work matters we have to go beyond vulnerability uncertainty and complexity and ambiguity uh yeah so i think this definitely fits into that right uh rogerio because if you're having performance conversations once a month with people Right, that helps to lessen the volatility, the uncertainty, the complexity, and the ambiguity. Work is like a relationship. How many of you have been in a relationship where you got little to no feedback about where you stood? Anybody? Are we doing well? Are we happy, right? How did that feel? And then one day out of the clear blue, you get this line, we need to talk. Oh, what? I had no idea something was wrong with it. Work is the same way. You start off at the beginning of the year, everything's going well and rosy, and then you don't hear anything from your supervisor for a year. And then at the performance evaluation, we need to talk. <laughs> no, what? I thought I was doing well this year. That's what happens when we don't get regular feedback. So we also need to help people understand why their work is yes, surprising and shocking, and it shouldn't be. There should be no surprises during a performance evaluation, none, because we should have been talking about and correcting and appreciating or rewarding performance on a regular basis throughout the year. We need to tell employees not just what to do and how to do it, but why to do it, right? People need to know, especially younger workers, that their work matters that it's tied to some bigger mission or purpose. And we need to give employees the space for autonomy, purpose, and mastery. Daniel Pink has a great TED talk where he talks about the intrinsic nature of motivation. And then he says, these are the three intrinsic motivators that most employees want, autonomy, purpose, and mastery. Autonomy, the space to make their own, empower to make their own decisions and guide their own uh, actions. Purpose, a sense that what they're doing actually matters and is meaningful and mastery, an opportunity to learn new things and to get better at those things. So those are things that are recommended that we focus on instead of this once a year conversation. Now, here's one more idea I wanna share with you and then I'll talk about some other stuff. 360 degree feedback. Has anybody heard of this before? How would you determine compensation increases if not coupled with performance? No, 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 no. You, you, you tie compensation increases to performance. You just don't have both of those conversations at the same time, Janelle. We do regular monthly performance compensation or performance conversations, but we don't talk about money at any of those. Once a year, we talk about compensation. Otherwise, every conversation really is about money and we don't want that. Yes, Jay Miller says 360 degree feedback is very powerful. Jay Miller, are you doing this at your organization? 360 degree feedback? No, but we'll be doing it in 2021. High fives to you, great, great job. No 360 at ours, OL says. Okay, so if you haven't heard of this, what this means is 
you get feedback not only from your manager, but from your team, your peers, customers, suppliers, vendors, anybody who has direct experience with you and your work. The problem with one-on-one -on -one feedback from a manager is it can be highly subjective, it can be inaccurate, and it can be skewed, especially if they really like you, then they don't talk about your weaknesses, or they really don't like you, then they only talk about your weaknesses and not your good points. So if you've got a rough relationship with your manager, you're probably not going to get accurate feedback about your performance. Personality and relationship can hide the truth of your performance, your flaws, and your assets. A 360-degree evaluation is much more objective and can provide greater insight into how you actually perform, as well as shed light on your impact throughout the organization, because you're getting feedback not from one person, but maybe 30 people or 50 people. The trick here is that this version doesn't happen once a year. This version is designed to be ongoing throughout the year. And when you download the slideshow from the Learn It Offsite, look in the notes page for this slide, and you can go to the link where um, Thomas uh, Kalopoulos uh, uh, talks about how they do this. Uh, this is from, uh, he's the founder of the Delphi Group. This was in Inc. Magazine. So here's how you make real-time 360-degree evaluations work. They use apps. There are applications out there that help people provide daily feedback, okay? So there's some technology involved. You have to use qualified people to review the initial feedback to weed out the stuff that's not particularly helpful and then look at, uh, uh, at the bulk that is helpful. You have to focus on creating a culture that embraces 360 degree feedback because most people are stuck in this old paradigm of just the manager gives feedback to the subordinate. But in this uh, paradigm, everybody gives feedback to everyone, right? So you got to make people comfortable with that. You have to anonymize the responses, and that's one of the ways to make people comfortable. Otherwise, if they have their name attached to it, oh, oh, Bob doesn't like me. Mary gave me a bad comment. Right? So you have to anonymize this to make it make people feel safer in being in being honest. You have to review up the org chart as well as down. Right. So you can't just review people around you the directors and managers and vice presidents and senior vice presidents and, and presidents and CEOs, everybody gets a 360 degree review. You have to recognize incentivize and incentivize people for participating in the process. That doesn't necessarily mean you throw cash at folks. It just means that you, you, you praise people, you thank people for being a part of the 360 degree process and you mandate participation. Everybody's going to do this. So that's how uh, he talks about, Thomas Kalopoulos, uh, founder of Delphi Group, talks about um, making real-time 360-degree evaluations work. Take a look at it, research it, study it, see if it's something that you'd be willing to try in your organizations and see if you get better, uh, better feedback and better results. All right. So that's me on my soapbox. Uh, <laughs> about 18 minutes of that. I'm going to spend the next... Uh, 22 minutes or so talking about the performance management process itself. So was any of that helpful for anybody? Was that eye-opening? Did that make you want to look at doing something different? Yes, thank you, thank you, indeed. Thank you, Earl, thank you, Rogerio, thank you, Suzanne. New Ideas 360, thank you. All right, cool. 
So let's talk about how to take what most of us are already doing and make that better. And you can certainly apply this to 360s, but you can apply this to your current process. The performance management process that we know and love involves more than just a performance review. We have to stop thinking about it as a conversation we have once a year. Uh, this is a twofold experience where we do an assessment, we look at the past, and then we plan for growth looking at the future. We have to do both of those. We can't only look at the past or the future. We gotta see where we've been and we have to plan for where we're going. This process focuses on three steps. You've gotta do the goal setting here at the beginning which ties specific employee goals to strategic business objectives, right? This is the what and the why. Then the second part of this is performance monitoring. You have to see people. There's an old uh, acronym, MBWA, managed by walking around. You have to be able to see people doing their work. Now that's harder in a COVID reality. So this means you've got to uh, focus on uh, more conversations, more Zoom meetings, uh, more check-ins, uh, more collaboration through uh, shared sites like uh, SharePoint and Microsoft Teams, that sort of thing, right? You have to have more contact with people because in many cases, we don't get to walk around and see people working. The American Management Association had a statistic that said 70% of all the communication in workplaces happens informally. So think about all the times you used to just walk down the hall and see people working or pop in on folks and, hey, what you, what you doing? What's going on, right? Or, or brainstorm with people or talk about something. We don't have that for the most part. For most of us working at home, we don't get that. So we have to be much more intentional about our performance monitoring, giving feedback, coaching people. We have to set up regular uh, check-ins and touch points with people uh, throughout the week. And then the third part of this is the performance appraisal conversation itself, where there's a reward and also development and planning, right? Or rewards where, where appropriate. So the performance reviews are supposed to summarize an ongoing year round dialogue, not just be a once a year thing. So here are the key elements of the effective reviews. You have to give people clear, realistic job descriptions. It starts at the job description because that's what you're asking people to do. Then you have to give clear, realistic, specific, measurable performance goals, right? Once they come in, here's exactly what we want you to do, expect you to do, et cetera. You need to give people the tools, the training, the resources to actually achieve the goals. You gotta set people up for success. You should have a folder for each employee with documented performance milestones and conversation. If you're having daily conversations, weekly conversations, monthly conversations, quarterly conversations, you need to document all of those and put them in the folder, right? Because that makes doing the reviews every month or quarter easier because you can just look at all the information that's in your file. Then you need to do daily, weekly, quarterly check-ins to discuss performance with people. And then not talking about money, just talking about performance. And again, decouple the money conversation from the performance. So those are the key elements of effective reviews. I hope as you're going, as I'm going through this, you're making notes of the things that you're doing, which of these you're doing and which of these you're not doing and maybe need to consider incorporating. There are five goals of an effective performance management process. You need to align the individual's day-to-day -day actions with strategic business objectives. 
provide visibility and clarify accountability related to performance expectations, tell people what you expect of them, document their performance, establishing a focus for career development, for skill development and learning activity, in other words, teach people new things, and creating documentation for legal purposes to support your decisions and reduce disputes later on. You gotta document everything. If you don't do this stuff, the impact is measurable. Waste of time and resources, people not performing at their best, lower productivity, mistrust, and higher attrition rates. And if top performers see no differentiation in performance ratings, opportunities and compensation from underperformers, morale can suffer, right? So we gotta get this process right. You gotta start with standards and goals. And setting performance standards is a lot easier than you think. You have to focus on outcomes and make sure that they are job-related, objective, behavioral-based, and observable. So as you look at evaluating what people do, ask yourself, am I asking them to do something that's related to their job, that is objective, not subjective, that is based on behavior they can actually do and achieve, and then can I see that? The observable part is harder in this virtual COVID uh, reality that we're in. So this is where you're gonna have to have people show their work, right? Share the files that they're working on, uh, do screen shares and you can see uh, what they're doing, uh, have some kind of systems or apps that can uh, measure performance of, of whatever, wherever possible, right? You're gonna have to do more of this because you can't just walk around and see people working. You need to set SMART goals. We've talked about this before, right? Uh, in many different classes over the years. And, and there are two questions to consider when you develop goals with people. Number one, are the goals written clearly and objectively? And they should be written. And two, are they directly contributing to the achievement of the business strategy? Are those two things true of the goals that you're setting with people? Goals should address what you expect and how it will be achieved. The what, the quality, quantity expected, deadlines to be met, the cost to deliver, et cetera. So the specific measurable thing you're asking them to achieve. And then the how, what behavior do they need to demonstrate to achieve the outcome? For example, focus on customer service, right? Read the script or resolve things within a certain amount of time or get X score on customer satisfaction surveys, et cetera. SMART goals, again, the S, they have to be specific, measurable, achievable, or attainable. They have to be results-oriented, realistic, and relevant, and they have to be time-bound. So every time you set a goal with somebody, ask yourself, is the goal SMART? Does it meet each of these criteria? Whichever criteria is missing is probably where that person has an opportunity to fail. The goals that you set with people have to be have to reflect the conditions that are actually under the employee's control, right? Don't set goals for people that they can't achieve because you're asking them to do something you have zero control over, right? It's important to set action plans to document the steps necessary to achieve the goal because that's what you're going to base the performance conversation off of. Here was the plan. Here's how I measured your performance. You came in at, below, or above what we laid out in the plan. So when you're setting these goals specific, can you articulate more clearly what you're trying to do? 
and then refine that thought. Can you summarize the bottom line? What is the specific thing you're asking people to do? I had a guy in a class tell me one time he wanted to know how to discipline one of his employees. And I said, for what? Because he's not doing the job as fast as I can. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, let's put that aside for a moment. How fast should they be doing the job? Well, you know, as fast as I can. Okay, well, well, well time out. Did they get any orientation program where you laid out the goals like 100 widgets a day? No. Okay, is there a sign somewhere in their work area that says, here's your quota for the day, 100 widgets? No. Okay, did you have any conversation with them where you told them what the goal was for the day? No. I said, well, then your, your discipline of them is not only unfair, it's probably illegal because you're asking them to meet, you're trying to punish them for not meeting an objective that you haven't clarified, right? Ferdinand Forney's in his book, Coaching for Improved Work Performance, says one of the reasons why people don't meet the goals that you set up is you don't set up the goals. <laughs> you don't tell them what those expectations are, right? Or you don't teach them how to achieve those expectations or the expectations are not specific or realistic. Measurable. How will you know that you've even achieved the goal? What is the measuring stick? What is the barometer by which you're going to measure people's progress and ultimately success or failure? You have to quantify numbers. You have to put numbers to your outcomes. What effect will your goal have on your life or effectiveness? You have to be able to measure this. Is the goal attainable? Is it dependent on someone else or is it solely dependent on this person? If it's dependent on someone else, then that's not a goal for them. Rephrase the goal so it only depends on this individual and not other people. And is there anything that could get in the way of you accomplishing that goal or them accomplishing that goal? When we're talking about the R, relevant, results-oriented, and realistic, you have to ask, what results do you want to achieve? You need to be clear about what the vision of success looks like in your head, and they need to be clear about that too. And you both have to be aligned in your vision of successful outcome. You have to, it's helpful to list three different ways the results are aligned with your department and or organizational goals. That helps people understand the why, the relevance of it, and anything else that's important that you've not shared. Then time specific, by when will you reach this goal? There's some managers who focus not only on the when will you reach it, but by when will you start? When will you start the goal? When will we have progress check-ins? And then what are the milestones associated with each of those check-ins? And then when will we uh, achieve the goal? How are we gonna track progress through this process? And how long will it take to create a sustainable habit in this area? Keep in mind for most of us, all of this is being done virtually, which means phone calls or emails or Zoom or Skype or WebEx meetings, right? And I know a lot of people are probably Zoomed out by now, but you know what? We don't have the luxury to walk around and see people and talk to people. So we've got to be intentional about our communication. And that means in many cases, we're going to over communicate or what we think is over communicating. It really isn't. So let's talk about a couple of best practices as we wrap up here. It's important to write descriptive and accurate reviews. And how do we do that? We, we, we got to get away from saying things like, well, this was good or not good, or it was awesome, or it could be way better, right? Take a look at, at, at the language that relates to observable behavior, right? So 
instead of writing, Bob has good communication skills, what does that actually mean? We need to give examples of that. Bob generated several well-written memos during the budgeting process that were particularly useful in guiding our assessment decisions. And I would go further to explain how they helped you guide your investment decision, your assessment decisions. Or during planning meetings, Bob actively listens to his coworkers without disruption and when appropriate, shares his position candidly but respectfully. That's much more useful than Bob has good communication skills. Because when you're reviewing this with Bob, Bob now makes a mental note, oh, I need to continue actively listening, not disrupt people and share my position candidly and respectfully. Bob has three action items now. If you just said he has good communication skills, okay, great. Bob doesn't think about what to continue doing or what to improve. Jessica's sales numbers last quarter were very good. What does that mean? As, as measured how? As compared to what? You could say last quarter, Jessica exceeded her projected sales by 18%. Okay, that's meaningful. That's specific. That's measurable. Here was the goal. Here's Jessica, 18% higher than the goal. Okay, we can see that. That has impact. And then tell us what the impact of that 18% was. Because of that, we were able to fund this new program or project, right? Or give people bonuses, right? Not only what they did and how much better than ex expectations it was, but what was the impact of that? So then they go out and they want to work. They're motivated to work even harder because they see it has an impact through the rest of the organization. Or you could say Jessica's sales have increased by at least 12% for the last five quarters, far exceeding the levels of sustained increase demonstrated by our colleagues. Now you could make that more measurable by saying, you know, here are our colleagues' uh, overall performance and here's Jessica's, right? Does this make sense, folks, about the specificity of what you write in the review? How many of you are thinking, wow, I need to be a lot more detailed, a lot more specific? right because the, because this this is more impactful to people when you give them the feedback they look at specific things to be praised for and specific things to grow ron needs to improve his attention to detail I, how <laughs> what does ron specifically need to do tell ron something he can use although ron's work is submitted promptly he seems to compromise accuracy for timeliness. Ah, so, so now Ron's thinking, I focus on the deadline, not on the accuracy. The finishing details of his pro project, such as the final budget calculations, frequently contain errors. Okay, so I need to slow down and I need to double check or triple check my work. Or in an attempt to be as thorough as possible, Ron's reports often contain more data than is necessary. This results in a presentation that appears cluttered and disorganized. Some additional attention given to the aesthetic of the report will prevent this problem. And somewhere in my conversation with Ron, I'm gonna show him an example of his report, and then I'm gonna show him an example of the ideal report and highlight and contrast the differences. Here's what I like in your report, Ron, but here's, and here's how you can make it better. Formatting, font, uh, organization, structure of the document, how it's organized, table of contents, et cetera, right? The amount, and I need to be, I need to own some of this as his manager and be more 
specific in my instructions about what information I want in the report and what information I don't. So I need to, to help Ron with this a little bit in my, in my instructions. So those are just a few examples of what to write instead of just the usual curt, I just need to write something so I can get this done. So how do I prepare and plan for this performance review? Uh, you have to pay attention to how you're structuring the conversation. There's the opening. So at the beginning, you know, I'm assuming most of this is done on Zoom or, you know, some kind of video conference, Skype or WebEx or whatever. At the beginning, make sure you log in early, right? Microphones on, technology, cameras, everything working. Everybody needs to be on camera for this. Everybody needs to be on camera for this. I don't mean to sound judgmental, but you know, it's we're eight months into this now. And if you still don't have a camera, figure it out. Because we're probably going to be doing this for another few months, even though there's talk of vaccines, eh, we're not there yet. So figure it out, get a camera. Because for performance evaluations, you need to be able to see each other, right? Uh, at the beginning, Establish rapport. Don't just jump right into the conversation. You know, hey, how you doing? How's it going? How's your family? You safe? You sane? Blah, blah, blah. Hey, did you watch the game? Whatever you need to do to build rapport with that person to make them feel at ease. Then orientation. Here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to do this, then we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to finish up with this, right? And then some motivation. Talk about how this is, um, this is beneficial to them, right? Uh, this is a helpful process. And if you do this on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis, this is why monthly I think is better. Uh, it makes people more comfortable with the process as you go along. The things you do consistently and frequently, you tend to have a greater overall comfort level with, right? Especially if you see some benefit in it. So you talk about how this is a positive thing that can help them. And then, and then you do the discussion. They should do more of the talking. You should ask more questions and you should listen more, right? So how do you feel you did in your performance? What do you think were your highlights this year? What were some of the lessons that you learned? Or if you're doing this monthly, what were some of your highlights last month? What did you learn? What were some of the key lessons? What do you think you could have, you could have done better? Or what do you think you can improve based on last month, right? What are your plans for next month? Right. So those are some of the general questions to ask. And then you listen for their answers. Now, if you're doing this monthly, if they weren't prepared to uh, to answer those questions the first month, they're going to get them 11 more times. <laughs> so so by the second or third month, they're going to know I need to walk in with here's what I did. Here's what I did. Well, here's what I learned. Here's what I can improve. And here's what I'm going to do differently next month. Right. Keep an open mind, right? They may not see things the way you do. You may think there was an opportunity for growth in one area. They may have thought that they were great in that area. This is where having uh, specific, observable, measurable results can help uh, eliminate any kind of discrepancy. I thought it was great. Well, I thought you could improve. Well, well, here are the numbers. <laughs> your sales goal was, was this. Your performance was less than that. The numbers are the numbers, right? It's hard to argue with facts. This is why you want to make this stuff as fact-based as possible, as objective as possible, not subjective. And then the closing, you summarize. All right, well, here are the key things you did well. Here are the things that you're going to work on improving. And here's the plan for that. 
And then what's your commitment to helping them improve what they need to improve? And then you're going to schedule follow-up. If there's some action plan that came out of this, here's how I'm going to follow up with you next month or next week on that. And then final thoughts, final words, right? Make sure you end on a positive note. Here's what I appreciate about you, valued member of the team. Uh, I really like these qualities uh, in your performance, et cetera, right? You want to leave this on a high note. Opening, discussion, closing. In this process, you're going to give feedback to them. And sometimes that feedback is great. Hey, you are wonderful. And here's specifically why. But sometimes that feedback is not great. Like you need to tell them, you know, here's the expectation, but you know, you're down here somewhere. So how do I give people feedback um, that doesn't feel like I'm beating them over the head or blaming or judging them? or you know, that leaves them demoralized. Number one, this is the most important step. You have to set an intention to be helpful. Not to criticize, not to blame, not to judge, but to be helpful to them, right? Sometimes you gotta give your kids medicine. Doesn't taste great, but you know the end result is it's gonna help them, right? So you have to set an intention within your own being to be helpful. And that means sometimes you have to tell people the hard truth they don't wanna hear. You have to focus on their behavior and the impact of that behavior. Not, well, you know, I don't think you're a positive team member. No, no, no. Talk about specific examples of behavior that you've observed. Um, and then what was the impact of that? Like if Ron at the meeting wasn't listening intently, if he, if he was interrupting his coworkers during the, the meeting, if he was being disruptive, right? Uh, if he was uh, being highly critical or not letting people speak, then you can talk about those behaviors that you've observed in the meeting and the impact of that. Provide specific examples. For example, Ron, at, at last month's staff meeting, uh, when Jessica brought up her idea for the proposal, you interrupted her, immediately shot down her idea, told her it was a stupid idea, and then went on to uh, try to promote your idea, All right? The impact of that was uh, it had a chilling effect on Jessica and she didn't speak up for the rest of the meeting and hasn't contributed much in and or didn't contribute much in the next two meetings after that. I'm not saying bad, bad person, Ron. I'm saying this is what you did. This was the behavior. This was the impact of that behavior. Now you make a request or before you make a request, you ask them, do you see that? Do you recognize that? Right. Right. And then if you want to, you can put your coaching hat on and try to understand why they were behaving that way, what made them do that, and then ask them, it's not your job to solve their issues, ask them, what can you do differently in the future? What can you do differently next meeting? Now, I wouldn't wait a month to have that conversation with him. I'd have it right after that meeting, but I'm just saying you have to provide specific examples. You have to be open to their viewpoint. They may not see things exactly the same way. You may be asking them to do a task that you think is important, but they don't think it's important. So be open to hearing why they think that particular task or that goal uh, is not worthy of their time or effort, right? Doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but it's important to be open to hearing what they say. They must be able to take action in response to your feedback. So this is why you have to give them specific measurable feedback and then help them create an action plan to address that so their performance comes up to the desired level. 
but it's something that needs to be actionable that they can take action on and improve. You may have to help them. You may have to provide them some ongoing coaching or mentoring or training or counseling, right? To help them shift their behavior to get it up to expectation. And you have to try to understand how you or the group may be contributing to that behavior. You know what, maybe the reason why he didn't meet his sales goal was I didn't give him all the tools. Or maybe the reason they didn't achieve the, the, the objective was because I didn't train them on how to achieve the objective. Or I didn't give them clear enough uh, instructions or, or directions in, uh, in, in terms of what I expected from them. I just oh yeah, go out there and just write me a report on XYZ, but I didn't say what was supposed to be in the report, how long the report should be. I didn't tell them when the report was due, right? Yeah, situation, behavior, and impact, Christina. That's a great model for this. What was the situation? What was the behavior you observed? What was the impact of that, right? And then after that, what's the plan for what you're gonna do differently? So any questions about anything that we've talked about so far? Carly, how much time do I have left? Thank you so much, James. Yeah, we have um, a couple of great questions coming up in the chat. Um, a couple of people commenting of how can my manager um, uh, do this? But actually just question around that, James, of if, if you are an individual contributor, um, and we're going to get into this, I think, in two weeks when we do the session more on how you feel confident going in, but right. are there ways to kind of hint at your manager that you are looking for a structure like this? Or what would you say to someone that's hoping that their manager can kind of implement? Hey, manager, implement I'd like to share something with you that was really cool. Yeah, go ahead. What is it? I went to this great presentation from Learned a couple of weeks ago, and they talked about this whole new way of doing performance evaluations that makes life easier for managers and for individual contributors. Can I share some of those ideas with you? Yeah, that sounds great. And then send them the, the slide deck that you're going to download from the offsite. Or have them, you know, book, have, bring, bring me to your organization and I'll go, we'll do a whole day of this and, and train your managers and train your staff on how to do this, right? But at a minimum, get excited, have a conversation with your manager and say, you know, hey, how do you feel about performance evaluations? Do you like them the way they are? Do you think they could be better? Well, I attended a class recently where they talked about ways to make them better. I'd like to share some of those ideas. So start with a conversation. How much time do we have? Thanks, I'm James. Like we should do we have, here. Yeah, we have um we have about 10 minutes left. Okay. Um, and we'll just go over how to join offsite and the resources available on offsite. But yeah, if we definitely have some time for some more QA. So Let's do some QA then, because there's a bunch of other slides in here that we normally do over three hours or a full day. So I'm obviously not gonna have time for all of that. But I think I've covered a lot of good stuff to give you a better foundation things to think about for performance evaluations, but I want to hear some of your questions and see if I can provide some, some answers or clarity. Okay, so everyone feel free to put your questions into the chat, um, or if you'd like to bring yourself off mute, you're also welcome to share a question um, that way. Yes, I will share the PowerPoint slides. They'll be on the Learn It Offsite um, website. Oh, you're welcome. Is it Kenna Jean? Thank you. 
questions, ask them. Step right on up. Hey, City of Oakland Parks and Recs, thanks for uh, keeping the parks a beautiful, safe place for our families to go to. Love the Oakland Parks. We also had someone ask for the link to the uh, follow-up class on the 18th. Okay. So you can go ahead and en enroll in that one there as well. And we'll, we'll kind of dive deeper into the individual contributor side as well. Hi, this is uh, Julissa. So you mentioned earlier that um, about the studies and about the age. And I do think that that definitely has a, a, an impact because I do have a few people on my team that are uh, that are definitely over 30 years old. <laughs> and so for them, they're not used to, um, you know, having this type of conversations. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's a little awkward and, and trying to engage them and try to, um, you know, uh, participate a lot more when I'm trying to have this is, is been a little bit of a challenge. Do you have any, um, any tips on, on how I can improve on that or make them a little bit more engaged? Uh, yeah, one, one of the things that can help people feel a little more comfortable is just frequency, right? Mm -hmm. Keep having these conversations, keep engaging people in, in these conversations and let them know this is where we're headed. This is our evolution. We're going to have these conversations on a much more frequent basis. The second thing is try to find something actionable from each conversation that's actually meaningful or helpful to them, right? Mm -hmm. If people see benefit in something, they're more likely to continue doing that, right? And mm -hmm. it goes back to what I said with the last slide at the very beginning, start with an intention to help people. Usually when people hear performance conversations, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to the principal's office. What did I do wrong? <laughs> Right. But this yeah. is, this is not about that. It's like, you know, here's what you did well. So always find something to praise people about. Mm -hmm. And rather than tell them where they have missed out or messed up or whatever, ask them, where do you think you could improve? Okay. Right. All right. Thank and then you. if they, Oh, I'm, I'm perfect. Okay. Well, <laughs> I've got some thoughts. <laughs> right. And then Leslie says, any specific tips for giving reviews virtually this year? Is views vi use video, but anything else? Uh, yeah. You know, all of, all of the things that I've outlined in terms of the structure of the conversation, you know, keep that the same. Uh, but, you know, maybe for some of this, I don't know, try, try doing it on phone. Try doing it on the phone, Right. Um, especially if somebody doesn't have a camera or they can't make video work or, or whatever, you know, a, a phone call. Um, and you want to keep this conversational and, and positive, right? Um, it it kind of, when you say performance evaluation, it feels like you're going to the doctor's office, right? And you don't know what the diagnosis is going to be and if you're going to live or not after, after, after visiting or if you're going to have, you know, get some really bad news. Uh, so you have to try and, and set this up and make people feel like this is actually a good thing, right? Um, and, and what I've told people is, you know, you know, look, I'm not just evaluating you. You get to give me feedback too, because I want to know what you think about my management and leadership. What do you like about what I'm doing? 
what I can improve, you know, from your perspective. So I try to make this a two-way conversation, Leslie, not just me giving them feedback, but them giving me feedback too. And for that, it, it feels a little more balanced. And then people are, are generally, in my experience, more willing to engage in this conversation because it's not all one way. Yeah, yeah, Christine, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And it is the implementation now. I know I shared a lot in a really short amount of time. Thank you, Leslie, I'm glad that was helpful. I shared a lot in a short amount of time. Uh, Watch the go through the whole presentation, do some research, talk to people who are doing these 360 degree evaluations. Goldman Sachs is, is a big company that's doing these real time 360s. So go do some research on them. Um, read some of the articles, look in the notes section of some of the early slides, look through the rest of the slides and have conversations with people in your organization, right? Before you jump on some new bandwagon, ask folks, hey, what do you like about our current performance evaluation process? And what don't you like? Why do you think we could make it better? And you might wind up creating your own hybrid something that works a lot better than you have now. But, but the overall thing is, is you gotta be able to give people specific measurable goals, the tools to achieve them and the feedback about how they're doing. And the feedback has to be much more often than once or twice a year. And you got to decouple the money conversation from the performance conversation. Money, we talk once a year. Your performance, we talk once a week, <laughs> once a month, right? It's got to be that consistent, folks. We are operating under a model that was created in the 1950s. We are operating under a performance evaluation model that was created in the 1950s, right? It's, it's, it, we got to evolve. We got to evolve. Thank you for joining us on the Learn It podcast. We wish you well on your learning journey and see you next time.